0: Hey guys, welcome to Revive School. I'm Wesley Morris, part of the Revive Texas team. You've probably picked me up, my country accent a little bit on Revive School. But man, we're in Romans, and I don't know about you, but Romans is a fun book. It's really amazing, and it's really foundational to our faith in Jesus. And so today we're going to jump in at Romans 5, uh, and just kind of cruise through Romans 5, and just kind of process a little bit about what you've already been learning, uh, but even take some of this stuff and make it practical. So if you want to open your Bible up to Romans chapter 5, verse 1, uh, we'll start there, and then uh, we'll have some fun. So, ready, set, go. So, Kevin, y'all ready? I'm ready. All right, we're going to have some fun today. So, Romans 5.1 says this, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, through whom we also have access by faith into the grace which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So, I'm going to stop here, Kevin, if you want to go back one verse. So, man, part of, the, part of kind of what I was processing with the Holy Spirit is, sometimes what I've learned is we, when we read the Bible and we teach, sometimes uh, I want to kind of help process with you what this looks like when you're cruising through the Scriptures. So Romans 5, 1 starts out with, therefore. And so anytime in the Bible you see, therefore, you've got to stop and back up a minute and think, okay, what's, what's, what's therefore? And so, therefore, what? Well, you guys learned in Romans 4, it talked about justification, how Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Uh, a lot of people in this day thought Abraham was righteous because he obeyed the law, uh, but Scripture says actually I think Kevin is in Romans four four three. It says, "For what does Scripture say?" It's four three. I'm sorry. For what does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. So last uh, yesterday, you guys actually talked about this scripture right here. This is justification. It comes by like it says in Romans five one. We are justified freely by His grace, but in faith. So if Kevin, you want to go back to 5 1. So therefore what? Therefore, knowing that this happened to Abraham, it wasn't just a New Testament thing. No. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness, and he was justified by his faith, not of works. Ephesians 2 8. That's the blue tab in our Bible that we use all the time when we're sharing the gospel. By grace you can only be saved through faith. It's not of works. God's been really doing a work in my life on faith. Uh, and how the, he, he pretty much processes it. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews says that. And it also talks about faith, man. Without faith, if we operate without faith, most of the time it's sin. And so as you process this, we're only justified by faith. You, you can't merit salvation. You can't earn it. You can't achieve it. It's only by Jesus. And so I want to pause a minute and just one real quick overview of this word justified. What do you guys think when you think of justice, Kevin? Uh, getting what you deserve. Getting what you deserve. Yeah, it depends on which side of justice you're on. Sometimes whether or not you want justice. So if I'm the guy and you did something to my family, I want justice. If you stole my car, I want justice. But if I stole your car, I'm on grace. But when we think of justice. Uh, who enforces justice in our government? Judge. Judge. Yep, I agree. Sometimes in Texas, there's these guys called justices of peace. So their actually title is Justice of Peace. And also when I think of justice, I also think Supreme Court. The highest court of law in our society is Supreme Court. And we elect Supreme Court justices to sit on the bench. And actually they're there. They're, you, they're actually there. I think they have to die off. Is that right? You can't just remove them. Uh, they, they're there forever. And I think you guys have seen that kind of politically in the last five, ten years about how big a deal that is to have the right people because, man, the way they rule affects everything that we do but if in the court of law if you think of justice say at a state level you you have your court case trial and you don't get kind of what, or it something goes quite right you can make an appeal and in that appealing process sometimes it goes up the rank all the way to the highest court of law the supreme court and once they judge uh, whatever they say goes well we know god as one of his names is he's the judge of all the earth and so we talk about justice uh, Romans 3.23, y'all have already cruised that, it says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've fallen short because we have sin in our life, and in that, God is just. I think former back in revived School, I think I may have hit on this before, but God is love, but He's also just. And He has to be just, because if He's not just, He's corrupt. If you have a Supreme Court justice... That just lets murder, some guy walks up and says, man, I, I just had a bad day and I, I murdered that guy. He, he just made me mad. And the justice looks at him and says, okay, I understand, you go free. You realize that wasn't just at all. He didn't get, desu- deserve, get what he deserved. And so we think about this verse in five one. It says we've been justified. What's the only way that we can be justified? The only way that we can be justified is somebody has to pay our price. And you guys know that is Jesus. But I actually looked up, last night I had, I've got this old Noah Webster dictionary. I think it's 1828. It's about that thick. Uh, it's green, and I, I have it in my mind that way I know it's green. But in that, man, I bought one one time because I don't know if you've noticed or not, but uh, cultures actually affected the way we view certain words. If you go back to this the original Noah Webster's Dictionary, Every definition in that actually has, in theology, it gives you what the biblical term of that word is and through the entire dictionary. How far are we strayed from that? Now our dictionary is trying to get away from God. The original Noah's dictionary, he was the Jesus guy. And man, he was defining things through the lens of who God was, which makes a big difference. So here's what he would say justification is. It's a just act of free grace by which God pardons a sinner and accepts him as righteous on account of the atonement of Christ. Jesus took our place, and in that place, by faith, we receive the righteousness of Christ. It's what Jesus did. The only way that we're justified is Jesus paid the price. He died. He was sinless. He died, and He rose again. And in that, we were justified by that freely, uh, and we have to receive it. And so it only comes by believing. I wasn't there when Jesus died, but I believe He did. I wasn't there when Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life, but I know He did. And in that, by faith, I put my faith in that, and... That was salvation for me. And so watch this. What happens when we're justified? What are some more benefits? Romans is amazing to talk about the in-depth of what was going on, where we were at. But now that we're justified, what does that mean? This is one of my favorite passages because it says we've been justified. And now that I've been justified, I have peace with God. And the only way that I can have peace with God, it comes through Jesus Christ. He's the Prince of Peace. But when you think of peace, what do you think of? Sometimes, man, we think when we do a peace treaty that that means we're at peace. Well, we know that's not true. Just because me and Kevin, we get angry and start fighting, just because we stop fighting, don't mean we're at peace. It just means we stop fighting. So, this means what? This is not just, man, that, hey, God's not mad at me anymore, although He isn't mad at me anymore. It means what? I, I have true peace. That means there's no intimate between me and my Father, me and God. And it came through Jesus' death-bound resurrection. And so, Kevin, I want to go just a couple of verses here. I wrote some down. Go to Kevin if you want to go to Ephesians two thirteen. I want to mix it up just a second. Scripture talks about there was a time in my life when I was far off from God. Ephesians two thirteen says this. But now in Christ Jesus, you excuse me. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far off, talking about us, it's actually probably talking about Gentiles. Once we're far off, have been what? You've been brought near. How are we brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ? How are we justified? Through the blood of Jesus Christ. We once were far off. We didn't have an inheritance. But we've been brought near. And the next verse says this. For Jesus is our peace. How do we receive peace? Glad you ask. He made both the two one. He's broken down this middle wall of separation. He, he made the two one. He, he's come together. And in that, Kevin, go ahead and go to the next verse. He abolished in his flesh. When Jesus died, He abolished in his body, in his flesh, the that that is within the law of the commandments that was contained in the ordinance. So as created himself one new man from the two. It's this law and grace marries. And in that, what? No more are we at war against God. We were far off. So I want to picture that for a minute. I want you to think about your life before Christ. I heard a pastor say this one time. Actually, not one time, I heard him say it about a month ago. He says, You know what? I think some of my congregation has forgotten. They used to be lost. They forgot the fact that there was a time in their life when they weren't in. They were out. They were living in sin. They weren't walking with Jesus. They were far off. They were cast down. They were downtrodden. Because sometimes when we forget that we were lost one time, we get so self-righteous or so complacent in what we're doing, we actually don't go and reach out to the people that were in the condition that we used to be. Because the Bible says this, you're either for me or against me. And so if you think about this, when we have peace with God, it's, it's way more than just like ah, uh, I got peace. No, it's literally. There was a time in our life when we didn't have peace at all. That we were actually enemies of God. Not only were we brought near and we're far off, we were also enemies of God. So, Kevin, if you want to go back to Romans five one, or you can actually go. Let's go to a couple of verses about being enemies. Philippians three eighteen, and so Philippians three eighteen says this: For many walk of whom I've told you often, and I'll tell you even weeping that they're enemies. Swallow that pill for just a second. They're enemies of the cross. When I was doing my thing, living away from God, playing games, I was actually an enemy of the cross. Man, that's scary. That's a scary thought, to be an enemy of cross, enemy of God. Uh, God's a big God. I'm glad I'm on His side now. I don't want to be an enemy. A couple more verses to kind of drive this one home. It's James 4.4. 4. He says, Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is intimacy with God? Whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself a what? An enemy of God. Whoa. Hold on, James. What do you mean by that? He's saying this is... Man, this is what it's... It's pretty simple, right? It's it's literal, actually. Friendship with the world is against what God is. Whoever wants to be a friend of the world, then you're making yourself an enemy of God. You've got to choose this day, Joshua said, whom you want to serve. James makes a really... Clear line in James where he says, faith without works is dead. you got it. you got faith? Obey it. Show me. And so uh, I'll stay out of the Old Testament. Kevin, can you go back to uh, Romans chapter 5, verse, let's go to verse 1 and 2. So if you process this, it says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Peace to me is like waving the white flag and it's surrendering to Jesus. And in that, I'm at peace with God. I've surrendered on His terms. And I'm walking in obedience. We're not at odds anymore. I'm not at odds with him. I'm like, no, Lord, I'm going to follow you. And this peace that I have as he atoned for my sin. And therefore, he has made a way and he's bridged the gap between me and God. I can have peace with my eternal father. What amazing verse. Verse 2. Not only do I have justification and peace, I've got access. It says through Jesus, through justification, through this peace with God, I also have access into the grace of God. Now, notice the word I left out. I've got access how? By faith. Kevin, if you want to go to, go to Romans one eighteen. So, if I have access, am I actually using it? If God's opened the door and made access for me, am I actually using it? Verse one eighteen says this, For the wrath of God... Can you back up one one sixteen, Kevin? Sorry. That was it. So, Paul said this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the gospel of peace, right? It's the gospel of... Bringing me back to Jesus, for it's the power of God and the salvation for everyone who believes. Next verse. Verse 17 is where I want to go. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. How? From faith to faith. When you believe in faith, the righteousness of God is revealed through you. You're justified. But also it says, you can't stop there. The just have to live by faith. The just is you've been justified. It's the byproduct of justification. You can't be just without justification. It's just as if you've never sinned. God has imparted that to you. You're righteous. It's a declaration. You're just as if you never sinned. But watch this. You can't stop there. Just because you're just doesn't mean you put your, your, your card in your pocket and say, I'm just and go live like you want to. No, no. It says the just shall live by faith. Now, if you tie this verse into Romans 5, 2, it says we now have access in the grace of God. How? By faith. You, you've got to believe that you have access. The veil has been torn. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn. No longer was there separation between God and man. Jesus, He he tore the veil. By His blood, we can enter in. And in that, how much are we accessing that that place? And it, it says the access is in grace. Grace is what? Man, I don't deserve it. It's way greater than that, but to me, it's undeserved favor. Man, by grace, I was saved through Jesus, and He's given me access into His grace. And by faith, man, there's sometimes... I don't understand everything, but by faith, I go, I go to Jesus. I've got access to my Father. Now, here's the, here's the other picture. I can have access to my Father, but if I don't believe it, and I don't ever use it, then what's it benefit me? We totally have access into the throne room of heaven. And I really think sometimes if we really dug into that and believed it, it would change the way we live. Because God is with us. He's not in heaven, just hanging out, no, it's the Holy Spirit in us. It's Christ with us. Amen? Uh, I'm trying to poke your heart on this faith thing. And by faith, what do we do? Here's where it shifts because this is where it hit, the rubber hits the road. Why in the world does he spend all this time on justification, on access, in walking by faith? Because there's this little simple word there it says, in grace which we stand. We're living in society today where well, you're going to have to take a stand. I really believe that the chasm, there's been a time where you could kind of play the middle ground. You could stay on the fence. But this thing's starting to separate. It's heightening up. Where you're either going to have to live for Jesus or live for the world. And the only way that you can live for Jesus is you're going to have to find this access point. You've got to spend time abiding in Him. And you've got to stand. You've got to take a stand. And in that stand, the only way you can sustain it is in grace. You've got to stand with Jesus. And it says, not only are we taking a stand, He says what? We're We're rejoicing. It's not a posture of, man, this is, ah, this is such a drag. Oh, man, I wish I could. No. He said, we rejoice. We rejoice in this stand that we're taking because we have hope. And our hope is in the glory of God that this is not it. That this life is just temporary. We're going to live for Jesus. Our hope is what? Jesus said, I'm coming back. You're going to live with me forever. And so the stand that we're taking is, a, is really a temporary stand. It's until this life is over, then we'll meet with Jesus But the fun part about it is you can rejoice even on this side of glory. You can have a blast on this side of glory because once you start realizing who you are in Christ and believing it, it affects everything you do. So, Kevin, let's go to verse 3. He says this, know this, not only that, verse 3, but we also glory, we celebrate, we rejoice in tribulation. How many people know that's kind of weird? Because we live in the Western culture, man. When you hear our tribulation, everybody jumps off the bus and runs home. But this says what you should expect. The you can't really read this passage right here and not know that hey, if you do take a stand, there's going to be tribulation. If you do step out in faith, you're going to be tested. If you do walk with Jesus, there's going to be tribulations. Now, I'm not a gloom and doom guy, but the reality of it is, when you take a bold stand for Jesus at your work, I promise you, you're going to suffer tribulation. You take a bold step for Jesus and go hit the mission field in the ten uh, forty window across the seas uh, you 're going to experience severe tribulation, but on a scale you 're always it 's going to come it 's not when it 's if it comes and what he 's telling them is don 't worry because we glory why would a man rejoice in tribulation well i 'm glad you asked because they knew something about tribulation when you 're put through the fire you 're actually come out stronger because in tribulation knowing that this tribulation ain 't just so we can suffer no. There's something going on behind this tribulation. It's producing in us perseverance. Perseverance, I think is the word. That we preserve, that we don't stop. Whenever things happen, or we go through hard times, or maybe we start to shift and don't know why, we have to take a step of faith. We have to keep believing in what God's doing. We have to keep walking step by step by step, not knowing what's going to happen. And sometimes it can be painful. Sometimes it can be extremely uh, devastating. But in that, as we walk this thing out, it produces in us this perseverance that God is with us. He is going to lead us through. I heard a song this morning that says there wasn't just three in the fire, there was four. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego got in the fire. They was not just three. There was another one with them. And as they walked through that time, God was growing them, and they were pers- this perseverance was starting to manifest. Verse 4, and not only perseverance, as you persevere, <laughs> I have a hard time with that word, as you persevere through hard times, what happens? It builds your characters. You know this because you're not the same guy you used to be. Some of the hardest, difficult times in your life, man, has actually produced in you character that you never would have had had you not went through hard times. Had you not had to be, even in reconciliation, even in relationships, sometimes you got to do hard things. But in that, the cool part is it's actually building your character. It's building up your most holy faith. And character, it's not just a character thing. Why? No, because character produces hope. The more you step out in faith and experience Him actually providing, Him getting you through, Him doing things in front of you that just were supernatural, it builds your, you build your faith, but also it solidifies your hope that you really know this ain't it. Man, I heard God speaking to me several times this week, man, and it's, it's solidifying the fact that, man, God is real. He's amazing. He knows the plan He has for me. And sometimes you just got to keep pressing on even when it don't make sense because this hope that we have is what drives us. So, Kevin, go to the next verse. Now, hope, just in case you were wondering, verse 5-5 says, doesn't disappoint. Why? Because the love of God's been poured out in your heart by the Holy Spirit. The love of God's been poured out on you by the Holy Spirit. And he also says in this, whom he's given to us. Probably in the Roman church culture, man, Holy Spirit was still a new topic. And so he's saying here, hope doesn't just disappoint. Why? Because God's poured out his love on us. He's not just up here hanging out while we're down here suffering. No, no, no. He's walking with us. Why? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. And God's given that to us when we believed through salvation. Verse 6. For we were still without strength. Watch this. This whole this thing's kind of building here. So there was a time when we were out strength. And it says in due time, what happened? When we were out of strength, Christ died. He took our place. He died for us, not because of our merit, because we were good, because He died for the ungodly. Verse 7. For scarcely will a righteous man die for someone, yet perhaps a good man someone will even dare to die. Verse 8. This is one you all guys know. We use it in the Bible. Uh, we use to share the gospel. But God did what? While we were far off, while we were living ungodly, while we were without strength, Romans 5.8 says this, God demonstrates His love towards us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So I want you to think about that for a minute. This is what I was talking about when uh, the gentleman told me, he says, man, I I think some of my congregation forgot how it feels to be lost. Because once you experience the love of God, sometimes you can be complacent with it. And and sometimes I just have to look back in my life and realize how great God is. And when I'm ministering to people in front of me, I realize where I used to be and what God did for me. And so I need to do the same for them. And so I kind of want to just pause here for a minute. How was it that the disciples did what they did? You ever ponder that? Jesus had 12 disciples. One kind of got sideways and fell off the map. Judas. He didn't do so hot. But if you look at these guys, you can throw Paul in the mix here. After Holy Spirit, after Acts 2, after Jesus ascended, Holy Spirit came. They were empowered. They lived their lives in reckless abandonment. They were abandoned to Christ. They, they went anywhere. They suffered. Paul was stoned. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was bit by a viper. There's all these things that happened to this guy. How was it that he kept going? How was it that this guy that's talking here says, you've been justified by faith. We have access. This grace in which we stand. Paul wasn't speaking from hypothetically. He knew the only way he got through. And part of his heart, you're starting to see, this is how I made it through. Because in my tribulation, I realized God was doing work in me a perseverance. And in my perseverance, I realized God was building my character. And in my character, I started learning hope. Why? Because God loves me. He's not just throwing tribulation in my way to throw tribulation. No, God loves me. He's for me. He's not against me. He's got a plan for my life. And here, here's, the, here's the line where I've been uh, kind of living and dying lately is, you have fear and you have faith. They can't coexist. It, it says the just shall live by faith. We've been justified by faith. We have access by faith. Faith is in the, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You've got to believe it. But what happens is the enemy comes with a lie and he tries to get you to doubt what the Bible says. He tries to get you to be doubtful of that you've been justified freely by His grace. He brings up your past sin. He brings up your past guilt and shame. He tries to get you to wear it. But by faith, you have to throw it off and say, that's not who I am. He does many other things, but this faith and fear, they can't coexist. So what happens? When tribulation comes, if you're walking in fear, you'll run. But if you're walking in faith, you'll persevere. And in perseverance, if you're not careful, feel it creep in and it messes with your character. You start thinking, well, if God loved me, why why, why, why this business? It's, no, 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 no. He does love you. Why? Romans 5.8 said he's already showed you. He's already demonstrated to you. And so, and so what do we do with some of this stuff? Let's go a couple more verses. Having much more than what? We've been justified how? How have we been justified? We just talked about it. By his blood. Jesus' blood. It was shed. Life was given for you and me. How shall we be saved from the wrath to come? I believe with all my heart, when I gave my life to Jesus, I'm saved from the wrath to come. I'm not an enemy of God. I'm at peace with God. What kind of God would pour out His wrath on me, right? That don't make no sense. He's a good Father. And Scripture says what? I've been saved from His wrath. But the the backdrop of this one text is everybody had not been saved from His wrath. Everybody hasn't stepped out in faith. Everybody's not in Christ. Some are out of Christ. If they're out of Christ, they're enemies of God. So, verse 10... For when we were enemies of God, we were what? Reconciled to God through the death of His Son. How much more being reconciled shall we be saved? Saved by what? By His life. So, kind of want to close here in Romans five ten. Think about that for a minute. You were an enemy of God, but you are reconciled through Jesus, right? He got in the middle and bridged the gap between you and the Father. And through the death of His Son, you've been reconciled. And you've been saved. What's our responsibility? What's our responsibility like? When you talk about justification, sometimes we, we pack this up in knowledge, man, and we store it up here and we go, yeah, man, that's amazing. But the reality of it is I believe God's telling you this because he wants you to act on it. Now that you know that you're you're good, you're in, you can go for it. You don't have to worry about death. You don't have to worry about life. You just have to go for Jesus. Why? Because he says you'll be safe from wrath. You're saved. You're going to be with Jesus one day. And so you can live out your life, I believe, differently knowing these things about who God is and what what He's done for you. And so Kevin, if you want to go to 2 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 5, verse 18. It says, we've been reconciled to God through the death of His Son. What's our responsibility now as Christians? We've been justified by faith. He's called us to live by faith. Now what's our responsibility? 2 Corinthians 5, 18 says this, Now all things are of God, who has what? He's reconciled us. How do he reconcile us? Same thing in Romans. He reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, what we just talked about in Romans 5. And he's not only done that, he's given us what? Uh-oh. What does that say? He's given us a ministry of reconciliation. Now, I know you think sometimes if pastors, they, they, man, God's given them a ministry. They're called. He's given them. Them guys are anointed. He called them out. There's missionaries, man. God's called them out. They're amazing. I wish God would say that to me. But this verse actually says everyone who's been reconciled to God, he's given us what? A ministry. And what ministry is it? It's a ministry of reconciliation. That you're Jesus with skin on and your family. You're Jesus with skin on as a dad. You're Jesus with skin on as a mom. You're Jesus with skin on when your crazy uncle does something weird. What's your job? Reconciliation. Well what does that mean? It means what? You're standing in the middle. God is in heaven, man's on earth. Jesus is our advocate. We're in the middle of what? And we're, we're making an appeal to man. Be reconciled back to God. And notice what he says, 519. This is what Jesus was doing, and this is where we have to be careful. It says God was in Christ. What was he doing? When Jesus was walking the earth, his goal was reconciliation. To reconcile the world back to God. He wasn't imputing their trespasses. Hello? He wasn't imputing their trespasses them, but he committed them to the word of reconciliation. So what this says was Jesus wasn't walking around condemning everybody, imputing to them what he saw, because he could have done it. No. When he went to Zacchaeus' house, he told him the good news about how he could get out, not how bad he was. When the woman in uh, adultery came up, he didn't condemn her. He told her, hey, uh, you got to shift this thing. You can do it. And so you see this. Jesus, every place he went, he was this messenger minister of reconciliation to a lost and dying world. And then he did the ultimate reconciliation. He died on the cross. And now he's handed this thing off to us. We're plan A. There is no plan B. Me and you, us, the body of Christ, we're ministers of reconciliation with a ministry. Well, how do we reconcile people? glad you asked. He said he's given you a word of reconciliation. It's the gospel. It's the power of God and the salvation of those who believe. Each and every one of us has a responsibility to, to speak about Jesus And it's this word of reconciliation through the gospel where man who's dead in trespasses and sin can be brought back and be justified by faith and have the same access that we do. How are they going to get it? It's only going to come through Jesus. And verse 520 says this, 2 Corinthians 520. This is how we'll close. It says, now then we're what? We're ambassadors. Y'all have heard this. I've heard it since I was a kid. I'm an ambassador for Christ. How did you become a ambassador? You were justified by faith. Uh, how do you get your message? You've got access by faith into the Heavenly Father. He'll give you the Word. And then what do you do? You plead. He says, as ambassadors, we're pleading. We're not just talking. Pleading's way more different calls. we We're begging. We're not necessarily begging. We're pleading with you. Don't do it. Come. You've got to give your life to Jesus. We're pleading with you to reconcile. Reconcile back to God. We're imploring you on Christ's behalf. Uh, don't. He, he came for all, that all would believe. Be reconciled back to God. And so that's my encouragement for you as you read Romans, especially in the five. And as you start processing these other things in Romans, it's an amazing book about how to live for Jesus and who we are and what our identity is. But don't just take it as knowledge. Take the knowledge and let it transform you so you can go out and share this thing and what the people around you, your circle of influence can be reconciled back to God. Amen. So have an amazing day. Go be your reconciler to the world today, wherever you work, wherever you live and wherever you play. In Jesus name, I bless you. Amen. Have fun.